0: Hey everyone, welcome to part six of my, um, I guess, six-part series of how I found myself in a relationship with a narcissist, and now it's on to how I escaped my narcissist um, and essentially picked up the pieces. Um, On the last episode, I discussed basically the buildup to, um, leaving my narcissist and the, you know, immediate aftermath of, of what happened. Um, so after that, and I moved in with a friend, um, and like I said in the previous episode, I essentially was living on a couch for a while. Um, I found myself, battling and struggling, um, with a lot of confusion and, you know, essentially finding myself, um, I relied heavily upon my sister. Um, I would call her every day. Um, sometimes she would listen to me and talk to me for an hour or two hours at a time. I really created an even stronger bond with her than I had before. Um, and, you know, thankfully she's an amazing person and a great listener and really good at advising, um, in, you know, abusive, abusive relationships. Um, and she'd actually had a friend, um, shortly before I kind of, you know, confessed everything to her shortly before that she had a friend that kind of went through the same thing and, you know, the, you know, the stories of her friend were always so, um, they were always so helpful, you know, she was like, oh, she's doing so good. You know, she moved on and she met this other person and, you know, they're great together and blah, blah, blah. You know, it just seemed very, um, uplifting, um, made me realize like, I can do this. I can do this. Um, so speaking to her, you know, daily. Um, and being just, you know, my emotional cheerleader was extremely helpful. Uh, I honestly don't know if I could have put up with it. Like, <laughs> you know, and she has two kids. She has a husband. She's got her own stuff going on. Um, but she always made time for me and she knew how important that was. Um, it's just amazing, honestly. Um, and I hope anyone that's going through this also has some kind of support system or somebody that would be a support system to them. Don't be afraid to reach out. You know, I mean, I was, I was terrified to reach out. Um, and the hard part is when you're going through an abusive relationship, like you hold in so much, you know, guilt, you know, guilt, that's kind of been brainwashed into you to feel guilty about. You know, one of them being, you know, you only go to people when you have problems. Um, That's something that my abuser would say to me consistently is like, they're not really in your life. You only talk to them when like something bad's happening. That's not like a true uh, relationship. That's not a true, um, you know, person in your life. They just want to be there for the gossip. Like, I'm there for you through the good and the bad, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And so then you would feel, you know, guilty calling to, to speak to somebody just because, you know, because you're feeling down. And so then it's like, now, now, you know, I never talked to this person and now I'm talking to this person only because I feel, um, like I need support. Um, now I need something. Um, so now I'm reaching out, but when I don't need anything, I don't reach out. You know, that's kind of, um, you know, and I, and I discussed that, um, with my sister and, you know, I, You know, I found myself apologizing, especially early on um, upon leaving and being on my own, um, apologizing a lot because I did feel an intense amount of guilt, um, you know, almost self sabotaging to where I wouldn't want to reach out. And most people that find themselves in a, a long term abusive relationship could, you know, very easily be in the same scenario to where you don't want to reach out to people because you don't want to burden people. You don't want to bring people down. Um, But if it's somebody you trust and you love and they care deeply for you unconditionally, um, you know, they should have no problem um, talking to you. Um, I felt so much guilt at first and she made me feel so comfortable every time I called and every single time I called, I would still feel this tinge of, of, of guilt. You know but it got to a point to where we would talk so often then you know she was able to open up to me um about her life and i was able to listen and be there and um you know even sometimes advise her on on what i thought or felt um which was which was nice you know we we started reconnecting establishing a relationship like we hadn't had ever really i mean we had it when we were children and i we always had kind of kindred spirits kind of you know, we were both more, um, attuned to each other on an emotional level. Um, but, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was really good to, to have somebody like that, that I could, you know, rely upon. Um, like I said before, my roommate, um, you know, the guy that lived in this apartment, I mean, it was pretty much just a barren, uh, apartment. He used to joke and say, um, something, I don't know. He was, he was, he always had catchphrases, but, you know, he would always say it looks like, uh, a couple of illegal Russian mobsters live in the apartment because it was just so bare bones and like large and hollow. And <laughs> I don't, I don't know why we were illegal Russian mobsters in this scenario, but, um, it, it was kind of hilarious. So, um, But, um, yeah, I mean, it it, it was lonely. It was lonely, really lonely. You know, I miss my kids, um, but I couldn't be around her. Um, And then I found myself going there to see my kids. And, you know, pretty much every day after I would get off work, I would go there to see my kids. Um, Typically, she would leave to go do whatever, you know, quote, unquote. She would go do work, um, which generally consisted of, um, her, you know, business that she had, um, that I pretty much, you know, fronted most of the financial, um, financials on that she always said she would pay me back for and never did. And, you know, she was always networking, networking, networking. So she was always going to dinner with people, trying to network and, you know, post on social media because her, her branding was so important to her. Um, you know, but, you know, it, it would be, um, basically I was, I was treated like a babysitter. You know, I would leave, she would leave and she would talk to me like I'd never been with my kids before when I had been there their entire lives, you know, he likes this and this one likes that and, um, make sure that they brush their teeth, make sure that they get to bed by this time because they need to be up for this and they need, you know, it was just like a constant you know, almost, it was almost demeaning. Like I don't know how to take care of my own kids. Um, And it was always kind of like that. Even when I lived there, she would like try to tell me what to do. Um, when I was disciplining them, she would try to tell me what to do if they needed emotional support. Um, she would talk to me like I was a child. Um, but it just got, you know, 10 times worse once I moved out. Um, and every single time she was there, she would always have something, um, you know, undercutty, underhanded to, to kind of, you know, throw my way something about, you know, sometimes it would be about, oh, I bet you're really glad to, you know, finally have that relationship back with your family. I mean, it's not like, you know, you ever reached out to them before. I'm really happy I was able to bring you guys back together. Um, because, of course, it's all about the narcissism and the narcissist. And it's all about them. And she was the one to bring us back together. I mean, she's really happy that she forced me to reconnect with my sister. And now that I've reconnected with my sister, you know, I, I should thank her essentially for, um, you know, discussing things with my sister and having her in my life, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is, or, um, you know, oh, I, when she found out where I live, she's like, oh, that's a really like young area. There's a lot of young, cool people down there, I but bet, I bet that there's a lot of girls, you know, it's just weird, just weird comments. And, um, it was really uncomfortable. Um, pretty much anytime she was around, she made it very uncomfortable. Um, there were times when, um, the kids would ask if I was going to be there in the morning. Um, you know, and, um. My ex would say stuff like, Oh no, daddy doesn't want to be with me anymore. Um, wait, wait, what, why, you know, Oh, he wants a divorce. Daddy doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't want to be around me. Um, so he's not going to be around as much, but I was still there pretty much. Like when I got off work until they went to sleep, I was there. And usually she would come back sometime after they went to sleep. Um, Sometimes she would just pop in whenever she wanted and stay for a little bit and say, oh, I'm going somewhere else. So can you please stay a little longer? Um, And it got to a point where she would be out all night. Um, Sometimes I would not be prepared because I wouldn't have work clothes. um, So I'd have to wear the same work clothes that I wore the day before because I wouldn't pack work clothes with me. Um, So she would show up she would leave. I would end up, you know, falling asleep on the couch and wake up at like 2am and realize she's not home yet. And be like, Oh my God, what, what the hell? So I text her. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to drive home tonight. It's too late. Um, you know, and it's like, well, I don't have work clothes. You know, this got to be a fairly regular thing to where I would have to say, like, you need to tell me when you're going to be coming back. I have to work at eight thirty in the morning Um, you know, blah, 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 I, I, well, why don't you just bring work clothes with you? Why don't, why aren't you prepared? Like, I don't live here. That's not my job to, to bring clothes with me. I don't need to be living out of a suitcase because you want to go stay the night somewhere. You know, I mean, come to find out she was dating someone and I know that's, you know, probably what was going on. I really didn't care. You know, narcissists tend to need to find a supply. Great, you found a supply from someone else. Like, you know, that. I feel sorry for the person. I wish I could meet him and tell him, like, to be cautious. Um, I don't want anybody to be with her, <laughs> honestly. Like, she's no good for anybody. Um, you know, when I first left, I was very bitter. And, and part of me at that point was kind of like, good, he probably deserves it. And then it's like, no, he's probably just another person like me that's super empathetic and like, you know, very much like is someone who likes to, you know, fix things, a fixer, a nice guy, like he's probably a super nice guy because that's who she would go for. She would go for nice guys that she felt were in her mind, you know, when she sees nice empathetic people, she views them as weak and, uh, manipulative or not manipulative, but someone she could manipulate, um easily um I mean there were times when we were together when we would fight and she'd be like you know get this really conniving voice and say things like you know if I just wanted you know I mean I could just have sex with you right now and like everything would be better like you're such a man you're so stupid you know just kind of like demoralize me and demean me because I'm a man um that I was just so easily able to be figured out through sex that she could just you know have sex with me and everything would be okay. Like, you're just, you're, you're you're such a sad, sad little man. How cute you are. I could just, you know, I can be mad at you all I want. And then, like, you can be mad at me. But, like, if I just, like, take my clothes off and you have sex with me, like, everything's going to be fine. And I know that. And you know that. So, like, stop, stop acting like you're a tough guy. You know, that, that, (sighs) those, those kind of things were said to me. Um, just really degrading, um, and, you know, basically just trying to, <clears throat> trying to attack, like, any sense of who you are as a person, um, you know, she would just call it the, the male ego, and how, how, you know, it was. and she could just, you know, basically do whatever she wanted to get away with it, um, <clears throat> gross. It made me feel gross. Um, so anyway, I digress. So this went on for months. Um, and during that time also, um, it was just a constant, um, pretty aggressive approach to taking my money, um, and telling me, you know, well, you chose to leave me, you left me, um, you left me with no no job like how am i supposed to get a job like i don't have any skills because you know you wanted me to depend on you um which is not true um i always tried to get her to get a job and she uh, never wanted to she wanted to homeschool the kids i wanted this kids to be in school she would have nothing to do with hearing that so i kind of gave up on that fight um she got fired from her job when we first started dating um and never got a job an actual nine to five again and she got fired in a really nasty way um come to find out it was more or less like she's an asshole and nobody liked her there because she's an asshole but at the time i thought everyone was nasty to her because everyone was basically like you know bleep you go away like i don't we don't want you to work here anymore because you're an asshole um and then then she you know so so she doesn't work well with others. She doesn't play well with others, um, at all, and that was very apparent the longer I was with her. I mean, the reason she doesn't have a regular job is because she can't get along with anybody. Um, I think she had a small stint of a part-time job at a, uh, like a high-end, um, kind of like a vintage. Um, clothing store. Um, but the only reason I think that worked out for a little while was because she worked alone, um, the owner. And, you know, that was somebody she was able to, somebody that she looked up to and somebody that she wanted to emulate. Um, so when a narcissist um, views somebody as their superior, they will kind of do the same thing that they would do with you, Um, during a relationship which is idolize and go through the idealization phase uh, put you on a pedestal and you know stroke your ego and tell you how great you are um, until they don't think that there's anything more that they can get out of that relationship and if they get too big for that role um, and if they feel slighted or have any kind of narcissistic injury um, that would change it Um, which I don't even remember why she ended up Stopping working there. I think that it was just like a few months and then I think she was modeling at the time um, Which was also a very strong supply for her, you know doing her modeling Um, But anyway um, So she would essentially funnel money um, From me I was paying for the mortgage when I moved out I was paying for her electric bill, her gas bill, her water bill, um, her car insurance, her cell phone, um, any kind of video streaming services. I had Netflix at the time, I had Hulu, and I had uh, Prime TV, which she would rent movies on for the kids, you know, almost nightly, you know, four dollars here, four dollars there. Um, my my credit card was still linked up with her um Amazon account, um, her Audible account. Um you know and she kind of took full advantage of that she even had the audacity to ask me for a new um vibrator when i knew she was dating someone else and i had already moved out of the house like she asked um if i could if she could purchase a vibrator for herself um, and some new lingerie uh, because her card uh, she didn't have a card at the time and she said she would give me the cash for it. Um, I told her no. Um, and she kind of threw a little bit of a fit, but I think just because of the situation, I don't think she threw as big of a fit as she would have. Um, if she knew that that was, you know, going to be used for something, you know, personal for the two of us, but I, I, I'm not, that's that, that was the weirdest thing. And the audacity and the privilege to even ask for something like that is just honestly vile, um, really gross. Um, but, you know, that's the kind of person, you know, you are dealing with um, someone who literally has no sense of, of you as a person, like they don't understand you as a person, um, because they just literally have zero real empathy. They don't really have empathy. The only empathy they have is, is mimicked. Um, and they try to find someone who is very caring because they want to be able to emulate you and know how to act and react, um, to other people. Um, it's all, it's all, honestly, it's just a mask. Um, and when that mask comes off, it's, it's really nasty. Um, so essentially I was paying for Every bill she had plus on top of that, um, they needed groceries. They needed all these things as paying for, you know, her health insurance, the kids' health insurance. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I ended up at the time was giving her about $400 a week. So about $1,600 a month just in expenses on top of paying for everything else altogether. I think I was paying right around $3,000 a month to her. Um, most of my paychecks would come in around $4,000 a month. Um, 44,000 to 5,000, I was working commission at the time. Um, sometimes I would have a big month, but, but for the most part, I was pretty damn near living like on $12,000 a year, essentially, um, which is like poverty level, shit, um, and I got to a point where I was just kind of like, you know, basically it was it was so bad that I I mean I was paying her more not living with her than I was paying when I lived there. She was asking for more things, and I was able to kind of budget food expenses and everything else better. I was I mean essentially giving her sixteen hundred dollars a month for food, and clothing, which is crazy. Um, you know, cause all the, all the bills and everything I was paying for, you know, on the side. Um, and on top of that, I was still there like every day taking care of the kids so she could go do whatever she wanted to do. Um, and in my head at the time, I was just like, she's not asking me to move back in. So screw it. Like, I don't have to sleep there. I still have a place to go. And, you know, talking to my sister night in and night out, she was kind of like, this is crazy. Like, what are you doing? You know? Um, and so I kind of slowly started to get away from that. Um, and I, I, did end up getting promoted at my job, um, which was great. Um, then it gave me a lot more free time. Um, and I had less gas money cause I was able to work from home. um, And so there was, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of benefits, um, on top of the fact that I was getting paid more, which was, which was great. Um, I tried my best to keep, um, my schedule away from her because I didn't want her to know how much free time I had because she would have most definitely taken full advantage of that. Um, but you know, the sleeping there until, you know, there was times when she would come home at 1am, 2am and be like you know, wake me up when I was sleeping on the couch and say, all right, buddy, all right, pal, Um, I'm home. Um, You can leave now. Um, Get the fuck out of my house. Um, You know, crap like that. Um, So just kind of like she can show up whenever she wants, kick me out of the house whenever she wants, beg for me to be there whenever she wants to take advantage of me. And I was allowing it to happen, which really makes me sad for myself i didn't really have boundaries and i didn't really set boundaries um and the more i talked to my sister um the more boundaries i started to set for myself Uh, but it was still you know too much and it was just kind of like trying to get her to compromise on some of these things like You can't be gone all night without letting me know I'm going to be watching the kids there. She did not let me take them back to my apartment. She did not want them to see my apartment. She wanted them to have nothing to do with where I lived. She wanted full control. Go figure, right? Uh, Full control, narcissist. (laughs) Um, So eventually I I kind of started to take more time for myself, take more time for myself. Um, Start to set days when I would be there um, and stuff like that. Um, and so I tried my best to kind of get some sense of a schedule together. Um, I ended up eventually, um, fighting and fighting and fighting to get the kids to come back to my apartment. Um, and that was basically, I ended up giving her, a time frame because she wouldn't let them come see my house. She wouldn't let them see my apartment. I basically said, I'm going to start taking the kids back to my apartment. And, you know, um, a lot of the stuff that was going on during that time was, was very much, uh, during the me too movement. So a lot of times you'll notice that narcissism, um, narcissists will start to blame you for things that are going on in the world. Um, and being a white male for myself, um, I got blamed for being, you know, a lot of things um mainly a rapist because i'm white so then she started saying things you know using terms like consent to her advantage when the movement itself is, you know in a pure form is is absolutely um a beautiful thing um people that are manipulative can use it in a very negative way um and unfortunately um you know My my ex was one of those people that was kind of, you know, using that to guilt me and shame me, Um, you know, anything from putting my child up on the counter to brush his teeth. Um, Next thing you know, she called me a rapist because I moved him from one place to another without his consent. He didn't want to brush his teeth yet. You forced him to brush his teeth. You're forcing him just like every other dirty old white man in America. You're no better than any other rapist. Um, You're just a rapist. Um, you know, which is, which was really gross, It's really disgusting to, to, you know, use something like as serious as, as rape, um, on someone who is just trying to brush their kid's teeth. Um, and it felt dirty. I felt like really offended. Um, she did not care at all. Um, She felt completely justified in saying these things to me. I remember one time when we were still together, even when I was on my way out, she was mocking me and degrading me and kind of laughing at me. Um, You know, basically just saying like, you don't even know who you are. Uh, God, you're such a man. You're so stupid. Like I want to be with a feminist. You're not a feminist. Like you're disgusting. Like you still like do things without people's consent. Like, Um, but this was like kind of constantly a a thing. So essentially, you know, at that point we had no order. We had no, um, agreement because there was no way of actually agreeing with her on anything. So I started bringing the kids back to my apartment and I essentially said like, this is my parental right. I'm going to do this. Um, and I'm going to do this. And I gave her a date that was a couple weeks in advance. And I said, next week, I'm going to bring them here. I'm going to let them see the house. Um, I'm going to try to get them comfortable with it. Um, but I'm giving you a solid date of I'm doing this. It's not a conversation. It's not anything else. And, you know, she just kept saying, I do not consent to this. I do not consent to this. I do not consent to this. Like, why are you doing this without my consent? You're disgusting. This is so gross. Um, you know, and just kind of trying to belittle me. Um, and then, you know, throwing out the word like I do not consent after saying that to me so many times when discussing um rape um and people not consenting to the things that are happening to their bodies you know we've had those conversations in the past she's already accused me of doing things non-consensually with my children like brushing their teeth or you know my younger son peed in his pants once and I went to change his underwear and he said no 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 um and I was like no buddy you got to change your underwear so I took off his underwear, put on new underwear, and she started reaming me saying he didn't consent to that, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm not gonna let my kid like sit in pee pants, um, you know, and get like you know, poison and ammonia, seeping into his skin and giving him rashes, like that's stupid. Well, you need to wait until he acknowledges it, and wait until he says that it's okay to do it. It's like, no, I'm gonna change his pants. That's what an, a, an adult does. A two-year-old can't make decisions for themselves sorry. I mean, they can, but a lot of times they're really poor decisions. If they're making decisions for themselves and they don't want to change out of their pee pants, that's what parents are for, to put them in new pants, to brush their teeth, to put them to bed on time. Like, sorry, if they don't consent, it's late. I know what's best because I'm a parent. You know, I'm not here to debate with my two-year-old or my six-year-old about, if they consent to going to sleep, like I'm not going to do it. Like, it's just, it just got to an extreme that was unhealthy. Um, so her not consenting to them coming back to my apartment, I could give two shits less. I was going to do it. Um, and if you don't like it, call the cops, see what they have to say about it because there's no agreement. And I'm i I'm the parent. You're the parent. I have a parental right to my children. Um, and so I did it. <sighs> um, I felt really good about it. Um, I felt a little empowered, um, the whole time my sister was there for me. Um, uh, my partner was there for me. I did end up meeting someone, um, and in June of 2019, um, and we've kind of been together ever since. Um, and when I met her, um, you know, I was kind of explaining everything to her. She's had a really hard time with a lot of stuff, um, without going into too many details, but my ex hates her, um, very clearly. Um, I know you're familiar with, you know, the catchphrase fake news. Um, her catchphrase for me was fake family, um, you know, she started accusing me of, of uh, spending less time with my boys um, because I wanted to spend more time with my fake family, um, that I cared more about my fake family, that I would spend more money on my fake family than my own children, um, and my kids are seeing it and they're seeing who I really am. Um, there was a Thanksgiving when I um, was my night to be with the kids, but she wanted the kids back for Thanksgiving that evening. Um, and upon returning the kids, um, I couldn't be around her because it just got to a point, especially once she found out I was dating someone that she, um, she would just berate me in front of the children every single chance she got. Um, I mean, I have documented every, you know, drop off, pick up every single time I had to be in her presence to, you know, just in case she said something, I want to capture it. Um. Because there's so much gaslighting that's happened throughout the course of our relationship that if it's not documented, um, you know she'll weasel out of it. Um, not only that, um, I have gone back and listened to them numerous times. Um, I think it's it's not about it's very difficult to relive a lot of the traumas, but for me, I felt it to be necessary um, to really reinforce that I made the right decision. I think a lot of times what happens is, you know, they do one nice thing for you as, you know, a narcissist, when you've gone through an abusive cycle like this, it's like you have Stockholm syndrome and you start having feelings for your captor. Um, and, oh, they did something nice for me. It's like, they look at you and smile and it's like, oh, they're not such an asshole. They're nice. Oh, look what they can be like, you know, and you get these you know, feelings that they can change and things can be better. Like they're not going to get better. It's all just manipulation. It's all, it's all a game to them. Um, they don't really have feelings. They don't really, I mean, I'm sure they have feelings like, but they don't have normal human emotion, um, other than using people for their benefit. So, um, Yeah, there was a Thanksgiving when I showed up with the kids, I dropped them off. Um, And, you know, when I when I dropped them off, they were like, oh, dad, are you going to stay for Thanksgiving? And, you know, she said, oh, no, your father has more important things to do than to be with you guys for Thanksgiving dinner. Um, He's got more important people to see. He's got to go be with his fake family now. Um, And then I was like, are you serious? You know, I said that to her and then she said, bye and slam the door in my face and i'm like what the fuck you know and then and then the kids are like you know who knows what the kids are thinking at that point they really think that i have more important things to do than to go be with them that i would rather be with other people than my own children um the truth is i just can't be around her that's the truth the truth is i have to be around her because of the children for pick up and drop off, but that's it. That's, that's, that's the extent of the levels of bullshit I can handle on it in a week is pick up and drop off from a narcissist. Like I, I want nothing more to do with it. And I, at this point, um, you know, that's, that's good. You know, I've really set boundaries for myself. I've really set, um, guidelines for what I will and will not um, put up with. Um, and for a long time, when I first moved out, there was just this back and forth of her attacking me almost on a daily basis. When she found out I was dating someone, I didn't tell her who I was dating. Um, and she assumed that I was dating someone from our homeschooling group. Like the kids went to a homeschooling co-op and she would, um, like most narcissists, they tried to throw a bunch of accusations at you without actually knowing if any of it's true. Um, And basically the best way I can think of it is like, you know, in my head, for some reason, I always imagined as like taking a bowl of pasta that was like, just cooked like spaghetti and just having it on a plate and throwing it up against the wall and the plate explodes. Um, And then, you know, seeing what noodles stick to the wall. You know, um, most of it's going to slam on the floor, but there's going to be a couple truths they might uncover with all their web of lies that they throw at you. So she was just throwing a bunch of shit against the wall, basically, and seeing what stuck, what noodles would stick. What can she get out of me that I wouldn't normally admit to? And if she throws enough things at me, maybe I'll admit to something. Um, she did that a lot when I had first moved out. Um, actually before I moved out, even, um, it was a constant, um, I know you're on Ashley Madison. I know you're on Bumble. I know you're on, you know, uh, what's the other ones tender. I know you're on plenty of fish. I know you're on these. I've seen the profiles. It's like, prove it, prove it, prove it, prove it, prove it, prove it. Cause I know I ain't, you know, <laughs> she could never prove it. Um, but she was throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and seeing if I admitted to something or if I got scared or if I looked like I was nervous, um, cause they can sense that shit. Um, just the way their mind works, you know? So she was doing this with, with other parents and, you know, I heard you were flirting with this person. You're so disgusting. Why would you flirt with this person, uh, at co-op? Um, and I was actually friends with this person. Um, you know, I heard you, you asked her on a date and she shut you down. Like you're so disgusting. Um, you know? And so when I contacted this person, I was like, did anything happen? Cause I was out of town for work. So she filled in. And then she comes back at me after she fills in on a day that I'm normally with the kids at this homeschool co-op, you know, spitting off all this like toxic shit about how I'm asking the moms that are going to homeschool co-op there on dates. Um, She didn't know I was dating someone who was not a homeschool mom, um, but she was just kind of throwing it out there. So I immediately like, you know, reached out to my friend um, and she was like, what the hell, you know, I showed her the screenshots of what my ex was saying. And so she immediately <laughs> took to Facebook and Facebook messaged her a picture of her and her boyfriend and said, this is my boyfriend, you know, whatever his name was, I'll just say Jim in this case, this is my boyfriend, Jim, um, and me, um, no, I'm not dating your husband. Um, no, he never asked me out on a date. Um, please stay out of my life and keep my name out of your mouth. I've got more important things to worry about. Um, she didn't respond beyond that. Um, or, you know, my ex actually replied she was like, oh, okay. Um, this is just what I heard, blah, blah, blah. Like if there was a, you know, if there was some kind of confusion, I'm so sorry. This is just, you know, I don't trust him and what he's doing. And I just feel like, you know, there's something going on and, if I misheard and if somebody told me something, I apologize. I misheard it. Um, tried to like act like she was just this, like, you know, a victim in the whole you know, that somebody else to her, which is, you know, a fabrication. She was the one that fabricated the entire thing. So, you know, then she gets mad at me for, you know, even saying anything and, eventually my, my partner that I was with actually, you know, came out and emailed her directly through Facebook saying, Hey, this is me. This is my name. I'm dating Phil. Um, you know, if you have anything to say about it, you can talk to me directly. Please stop harassing my partner. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not planning on going anywhere. Um, you know, so if you got something to say, say it to me. Um, Of course my ex did not respond to her at all. What happened was that just amplified her harassing me even more. Um, you know, she also, um, took a screenshot of it because she said something about please stop harassing. Um, please stop saying that Phil is dating people from the homeschool group. Um, you know, there are multiple people there that have not really spoken that highly of you. I don't think that it's wise to be, you know, throwing accusations around. She was pissed. Um, <laughs> and so then my ex took a screenshot of that, posted it online and was like, what the hell is up with this? You know, all you people basically essentially saying all, all you people suck and you're all two faced. And like, who's who's saying negative things about me like you suck um, and posted it on the group. Um, tagged the group of the, the homeschool group in the message of the screenshot from my girlfriend to, um, her, that was a private message. She just broadcasted it to the world as a smear campaign and she was hurt and she was injured. And she was basically like, fuck all you people. Um, (laughs) and then the, the person that ran the co-op reached out to her and messaged her and Um, you know, what are you doing? Please take this down. I immediately was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like everyone started blowing her up. There was multiple people, I guess, that started blowing her up. Um, And so she ended up taking down that post, but then she never responded to my, my partner. Um, She never, she never said, okay, or anything. She just, you know, it just amplified her hating. And then she just said, you know, your, your girlfriend's harassing me. She's threatening me. She's, she started saying that accusing her of calling her from private numbers. Um, she started, what else did she do? Um, she said that there was letters that were sent to her. Um, that were unmarked letters that were very descriptive and could only be one person. And that one person could only be the girl that I was dating that would know these certain things. Um, And they were letters that I have never seen. And I asked for proof of this and she could never show me proof of it. Um, She also said that she was contacting places of her business and calling and being hysterical and, um, you know, spreading lies and rumors about my ex to businesses and just all kinds of stuff, and just basically saying there's investigations and that her lawyers are looking into it. Um, it got to a point to where she's so believable with these things. I almost left my current girlfriend because I thought that there was maybe some truth to it, um, which sucks. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's it's it's. Crazy. Um, it's kind of died down now. Um, she doesn't really discuss those things because now I've, you know, taken her to court. So there's no talks of that. And there hasn't been for about a year now, um, unless she's really angry and wants to, like, you know, try to get at me. <clears throat> but um, it's kind of died down. Um, but for months, um she would just you know say that my girlfriend was harassing her and threatening her and trying to ruin her life and um she's dangerous and I don't feel safe like she's going to do illegal activities she's you know none of these things happened um but that's you know and you can get so frantic and caught up in it because they act so frantic like it really is a big deal um but none of it happened so I mean, it finally died down because nobody was biting on her bullshit. (sighs) So, needless to say, um, I got to a point where everything was good. Um, I was able to bring the kids back to my place. It wasn't ideal. It was a two-bedroom apartment. So, um, the living room had a door on it. So, I kind of converted the living room to a bedroom for the boys. Um, But again... I was kind of starting from scratch, so I didn't really have beds for them. I just had mattresses. Um, I ended up purchasing a bed, a bunk bed that was really nice for them, um, right around when COVID happened. But I ended up picking it up like a week after COVID happened. But um, yeah, the boys never got to see it until like a month ago when I finally got my boys back. Um, they never got to see the actual bed because COVID happened. And she was like, I'm going to go ahead and hold the boys for now. All of a sudden, um, you know, they're, it's not safe to be around you because you have a roommate. Um, I was kind of crossing my fingers and wishful thinking was telling me like, maybe I'll be able to have them back. And, you know, you know, going through all this stuff, I did end up lawyering up. I did, um, have the support and people around me that are like, you need a lawyer. You need to get this moving. Like you can't do this. This isn't going to get any better. Like she's going to continue to harass you. She's going to try to continue to control you. It's just back and forth fighting. I ended up getting a lawyer. Um, so, um, there's so much that's happened. I know I'm going out of order on a lot of this stuff, so I apologize everyone. But, um, yeah, I ended up getting a lawyer. Um, and we kind of worked on it. We were just getting prepared to a point where we were going to hit her with, you know, paperwork and everything else. And then COVID happened, COVID happened and she pulled back and she didn't let me have the kids overnight. Um, she didn't want me to be around the kids. All of a sudden it was her show. Um, she was the star and she was the only one that knew how to handle this properly. Um, my son got sick. She lied. She said that he had walking pneumonia. Um, but in reality I called and he ended up having acute bronchitis, which is like a a lower form of bronchitis that could turn into pneumonia, but it was not pneumonia. Um, it was acute bronchitis. Um, but I was told he had walking pneumonia. So I called um, the doctor's office to ask about his diagnosis and get the reports. And they told me, Oh no, he has acute bronchitis. Okay. So he has acute bronchitis. What does that mean? They're like, Oh, it's, it's fine. And I I said, so I know we're under a pandemic and everything else, but do you think that it's okay for the children to be with me, um, during this time? And, Oh, you know, the doctor said there's no reason that the kids shouldn't be able to go back and forth to the homes. Um, you know, as long as everybody's following safety protocol and following what the CDC says to do and you're not out in public, you're just going from one home to another and staying safe. That's totally fine. Um, I ended up having to get the documentation from that conversation notated um, and messaged to like mailed to me and I had to go through all kinds of loops to get, you know, all the doctor's notes from my conversations with the doctor. Um, I ended up getting um, as soon as antibody tests came out, I got antibody tests. That wasn't good enough. I ended up getting the, uh, you know, the COVID test as soon as they became available. Still not good enough because you know the second you walk out of the doctor's office or the second you walk out of getting tested, you could get infected. So therefore, there's no point in getting COVID tests because you know I could still have it now, and I and I just don't know that I've been infected from 15 minutes ago when I just got my test. So none of it mattered to her. Um, unless it did matter, you know, so it's kind of one of those fun games that she likes to play. Um, she found out that I was going to Syracuse for a work event. Um, and then all of a sudden I couldn't see my kids because I had to get tested. Uh, before I could see them again, um, you know, I, when I when COVID first happened, the only way she would allow me to see them is going to the window to bring them gifts um, or talk to them through the window. Um, and I said that I was not comfortable doing that because, um, well, she would stand in the background, and anytime I would try to talk to them, or if she didn't like something specific that I was saying, she would. Um, you know, jump in and try to correct me on how I was speaking to the kids. And you can't say that you can't say this. Like, what are you, you know, just, just trying to correct, or even just, you know, if the kids were feeling big feelings, trying to like monitor and basically just hover and tell me how to be a parent, um, creating a really toxic environment. And, you know, then she would throw in degrading things about, you know, my partner and my lifestyle choices and whatever else she wanted to do to try to make me look like an ass in front of my kids. And essentially I stopped doing that because I was not going to put myself through that toxic, harassing, abusive, you know, type of behavior in front of the children. It's not good for me. It's not good for my mental health. It's not good for the children's mental health, most of all. Um, and I'm not going to do it. Then she offered to go on a hike, with the kids, but she would have to be there. We would have to wear masks. We would have to stay six feet away from each other. She would be with the kids, and I could follow behind at six-foot distance, but I could still see the kids. And I said, no, I'm not going to be around you. Uh, I'm especially not going to go on a hike with you in isolation where you can say whatever the hell you want and get away with it. I'm not doing that. So eventually, um. You know, And I kept saying, I can take them in my car. I can take them in my car. She would not allow me to take them in the car. Um, And that was a huge fight. That was a huge back and forth debate for months. Um, Got to a point where I was like, I'm going to clean out my car. I'm going to sanitize my car. I'm going to show up and I'm going to take the kids. And she wouldn't let me do it. So eventually she was like, how about you take them for a walk? Around the neighborhood, you know, there's there's places you can go. There there there's paths that we could go on that are isolated around the house, um, which was my first actual outing with the kids during COVID. Um, it was for about six hours or so. Then it became kind of a regular thing to where she would meet me somewhere that was close to where she was, um, a park or something like that. That was county park or something, but as long as it wasn't too far away. And I kept fighting saying, I should be able to drive with my kids. I should be able to drive with my kids over and over and over again. And she wouldn't let me until one day she was late for pickup when we were at a county park and we were trail walking. Um, She was going to be an hour late. And I said to her, well, you said you were, no, that's not what we agreed to. You said you were going to be here. You're not here. Um, And then she instantly called me and she was like, well, if you want to bring them over, okay, you can bring them over. And at this point, she had moved out of the house. Um, She'd moved out of the house in October um, and she was living in a new place. Um, So the house was vacant, but she still had her stuff in it. And the lawyer told me I couldn't move in yet, um, which was kind of my ticket to getting my kids back overnight. Um, she didn't really know my plan at the time, but, um, so she had just moved into this place and she didn't want me to give, she didn't want me to have the address. Um, she wanted me to be picked up or pick up the kids. Um, she wanted to pick up the kids. She wanted to drop off the kids wherever, wherever I was meeting them. Um, but because she was late and I called her out on it, she was like, okay, you can bring them here. You know why? Because it was convenient. Then all of a sudden COVID-19 out the window, she really doesn't give a shit because it's really about convenience for her. And I think she was sick of having to pick them up and drop them off. And I was pressing the issue enough to where she got sick of, of being, um, you know, put out. She, she, she actually had to do something. (laughs) So I think that um, my pressure got to her to a point to where it's like now she's being inconvenienced. It's not fun anymore. She's being too inconvenienced. So, okay, you can drop them off. So she gave me the address, and then she was like, "You better not, you better not say where I live. Don't tell anybody where I live," and all this bullshit. Um, you know, I'm afraid for my life. I'm afraid for my safety and my kids. Please don't tell anybody where I live. Like basically insinuating that myself or my partner are going to go stalk her and harass her like she's so important. Um, (laughs) you know, so (laughs) whatever I got my kids to drive in the car with me and I had gotten a new car too. And so they were really excited to be in my car. They were so happy. Um, so I was able to drive with them in the car for the first time because she was inconvenienced. Go figure. Not because she actually wanted to do the right thing by her children or anything like that or, you know, give their father any kind of parental rights to his own children. It was because, you know, she was inconvenienced and she didn't want to be bothered. But can't really put that back in the box because now she allowed me to drive with them. So then I was able to drive with them. But... They still couldn't stay the night with me. I did still have a roommate. I stopped living there and just lived with my partner. I ended up moving in with my partner because what the hell's the point in paying someone rent when I'm not even staying there at this point, I was living with my partner during the pandemic, you know, because we wanted to isolate things too. And we didn't, I didn't want to be moving back and forth between homes. So I was basically paying rent on this really nice house that I wasn't even staying in. So I ended up stopped paying rent. Um, moved all my stuff out no you know the over the course of like a day or two um <clears throat> moved in with my partner and then october was when my ex was supposed to move out um she told me she was going to move out in october october rolls around she's moved out but she still has a lot of her stuff there so i asked her numerous times to get her stuff out um and she kept arguing that there was shared stuff Um, and I kept arguing that I don't care about the shared stuff. I need your stuff out because I'm not going to be blamed. I'm not going to be blamed for you having, you know, your, your items in the home. And then the next thing, you know, I get, um, you know, told like, oh, I'm missing my grandmother's ring or this got damaged or that got damaged. And then, you know, she tries to bring that up in court that I've damaged her items or her belongings because I was staying there. I'm not going to do it. So get your shit out. And it turned into a huge thing. Screaming matches with her, screaming matches with her mother. Um, You know, it's just been a headache. I don't I don't know, there's just, there's so much there. So anyway, um, yeah, so I didn't move in, I couldn't move in. Uh, My whole goal with my lawyer was to get her out of the house once we knew that she was moving out anyway, getting into the new home, um, and then we could take her to court and get everything set up start the divorce get it finalized get my visitation back with my kids because then i wouldn't have a roommate she would have no more excuses as to why i couldn't have the kids overnight um so there was a lot there but she was basically squatting on the house and keeping her stuff in and then saying things like the house is free for you to explore whenever you want um but then when i would go to look in the home she still had you know she still had items that were there that were hers. And I said, I can't move in until you get your stuff out. So it was just back and forth, back and forth to where eventually, you know, the lawyer and I, I was basically, we just decided like, screw it. Like this is craziness. This is way too much, just it's time. So I ended up, we ended up serving her with papers, um, basically stating all the, things throughout the relationship and what led up to the relationship and the abuse. Um, we had documentation of everything, like I've said in some of my other recordings, um, you know, documenting audio files, video files, images, police, um, reports, um, from abuse, um, text messages back and forth. Um, her, um, basically blocking me from having access to my kids um, during the pandemic and utilizing the pandemic as a tool to um, you know, push me out of the picture for as long as she could, um, just incident after incident um, in that report. And I ended up filing a um, order of protection against her as well, which realistically the order of protection, I mean – it's all based around physical abuse, um, sexual abuse, um, and stuff like that. Um, which I mean, after I moved out the physical abuse and sexual abuse or anything of that nature had stopped anyway. So, I mean, it's kind of useless, but at the same time, like we wanted to, to really, you know, show it, um, show our, our, what, you know, this is, this is what we're doing. We're moving forward with this And, and the judge granted it after looking at all the evidence. So this was in December, um, and you know we've kind of been going through it ever since. Um, yeah, so I mean it's been a fight. You know, weekly I would have to go see my I would see my kids weekly, but I could only take them outdoors. And it got colder and colder. I was supposed to be in the house in October, November, December. I mean we live in the Northeast, you know, in Buffalo, where it's like you know. We get more snow annually than Anchorage, Alaska. I mean, it's cold. We can't, I can't be having my kids out in the winter time, you know, each week and actually like have a good time. She wanted me outdoors, not indoors, you know, all these ridiculous stipulations, but yet she's still squatting on the house. Um, There were weeks where I couldn't see my kids because it would be pouring rain or it would be snowing or it would be below freezing. And So, you know, my lawyers made an executive decision that, well, we're gonna take this to court and the judge is gonna order her to get her shit out. Um, And then we'll go from there, which is essentially what happened. Um, So that's kind of where we're at now. Um, She got her stuff out, I moved in. Um, She begrudgingly got her stuff out and there was still issues revolving around that. And now I have my children back. I have a really long journey to go, Um, really long journey to go. But through it all, I think the biggest takeaways for anybody dealing with this is to um, not keep it to yourself. Be open with those that you trust. Um, You need people. I don't know how many times I tried to move out on my own and just fell victim to the hoovering and the promises of a better, um, life. Um, you know, so again, I know I've said it a million times already, but I can't say it enough. Um, and hold on to those dark moments, hold on to those, you know, old text messages of the nasty start audio recording. If you're still with the person, listen back to the audio recordings, listen back to like the fights, the reasons you're not with this person, the reason you're trying to get away from this person, um, you've got to remember the bad things because it will be gaslit. You will forget if you're trusting in your narcissist. Your narcissist will make you think that you were wrong. They will hoover you back in. They will idolize you again. They'll put you on a pedestal again. They'll make you think that that's how they are. Um, And you'll start to like fantasize about, the good times and maybe we can get those good times back. And the good times, you know, seemed really good because there's so much bad. Like the good times seem amazing because you're living in, in complete distress. And so the good times seem, you know, almost Hollywood like lovely because it's, it's, but it's not, it's, it's, it's really because you're, You're dealing with so much trauma and when there's no trauma, those moments just really stick out in your mind as just being so wonderful um, because you're not being abused. Um, But that's not the majority of the time. The majority of the time you're living in fear, you're, you're, you're concerned, you're worried, you know, you lose yourself. Um, I don't know how much of my, you know, you don't really know how much of yourself you lose until you get out of it. Um, I've lost myself, you know, chipped away at who I am as a person, um, you know, chipped away my spiritual beliefs, my, um, you know, my mindset, my worldviews, my, you know, any, anything I had, I think a lot of that stuff, um, for a long time I lost because I didn't, I wasn't allowed to have an opinion if it differed from hers, um, without, um, the inevitable fallout of, um, you know, massive, um, you know, damaging, um, character assaults being thrown my direction, you know, and how much of a horrible person I am for having these views. And then just like really just, you know, vicious attacks. And, you know, then when, when you have what, um, they call, um, Uh, reactive abuse which is basically you react um, and then they say that you're abusing them because you're reacting to the abuse they're throwing at you so then you're reactive you get to a point where you just say enough is enough and you dig your heels in and say fuck this and you try to fight back but you're not equipped to fight back the way they do because when they fight they draw energy from it they draw strength from it that's their element fighting arguing manipulating situations. That's what a narcissist is the best at. And there's no way it's a catch 22. You fight with them. You don't fight with them. Like you lose a little bit of yourself every time. You're losing yourself every time. If you don't fight and you try to keep the peace, you're having to give up a part of you to keep the peace. You're having to do that to stop an argument But in doing so, you're compromising beyond your boundaries. And they take away all your boundaries. You will have no boundaries. You pretty much lose every boundary, every sense of self. You are now connected with this narcissist. And one day you wake up, hopefully, and realize That it's all bullshit and you need to get out and you need to find a way to do it and you need help, you know, even if that support is a, you know, hotline, um, you know, someone like me, email me. I'm not much of a support, but I could, you know, email you back and talk you through it and try to be there. Anybody, anybody that'll listen, anybody that can understand, that can truly understand The problem is a lot of people that have never dealt with narcissism think that narcissism is something that it's not. It's not vanity. Um, it's not just egotistical. It's pretty much abuse on every level of your being on every, every single part of you, you know, the body, the soul, um, you know, your financials, it's, it's, it's devastating. Um, and if you've never dealt, if you've never dealt with it, you're not equipped to be a good support system if you're not a very empathetic person. So you need to find people that understand because a lot of people, when you go to talk to them, will just say, well, why are you putting up with this? That's stupid. Sure. It is stupid when you hear it in a nutshell version and you're not getting, you know, bombarded with it for your, you know, Being with a narcissist is death by a thousand paper cuts. It's not that the one thing they said is so bad or the two things that they said are so bad. But the thousand things that they said really starts to break you down in a way that you didn't even know was possible. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. None of it matters. Anybody is susceptible the most famous person to the poorest person, least famous person. Anyone is susceptible to being abused by a narcissist. If, if your personality can connect with a narcissist in a really toxic way, which is typically empaths, um, or people like that. Um, so protect yourself, look for the red flags. Um, and, Gather a support system, plan your way out if you have to plan your way out. Or if you don't have children with this person and you don't have any, you know, marital, you're not married to this person, thank the lucky stars that's not the case and just get out. Cold turkey. Don't look at their Facebook page. Don't look at their Instagram. Remember the bad times. Don't even think about the good times. When those good times start to creep into your head, say, what am I doing? Like, this person's not good for me. And, Remember all the shit that built up to you leaving them because that's the trick. That's the trick is don't forget the bad shit because you're going to have those lonely nights. You're going to have those nights when you're alone. Maybe it wasn't so bad. Maybe I should reach out to them. Don't do it. It's a really, really dangerous game and you can find yourself right back in that same scenario And it's 10 times harder to leave the next time around. Trust me. I hope that everyone enjoyed my story. Um, I know it's long. Um, Thank you guys for hanging in there with me if you've listened to the whole thing. Um, I'm really excited to go into different um, scenarios, different subjects. Um, If you want to be a guest on on the podcast, reach out to me, email me. Uh, My email's right there, um, in my description. Um, you know, if you have a story and you want to tell it, um, I would love to have you on. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's to the point where I'm at from here. I'm going to try to break down, um, you know, based on a lot of it being based on, on my history with my narcissist and, um, you know, hopefully go into different topics, um, people that were raised by narcissists, um, having children with a narcissist, um, you know, and, and, and just the different types of abuse and do different episodes just over those abuses. Um, if there's something you want me to talk about, email me, um, if there's something that you're curious about, um, if you have any questions and you would like to t- me to talk about it on the show, um, definitely just email me, reach out to me, um, I'd love to get some feedback from you guys. Um, I'm really excited where this is going, and I'm really excited. I know some people have already reached out to me and I know it's made a difference, and that's pretty much the whole reason I wanted to start this was to make a difference, especially for those that don't feel supported and are just looking for answers. Um, it's dangerous, it's difficult. It's really scary. But I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're making the first step, if, if not the second or third or fourth, or you're just looking to reconfirm the decision you made. And you've kind of gone down that rabbit hole with me and, and you know, you, you've you know, you don't ever want to forget um, and you're just really intrigued by the psychology behind it all. Um, you know, there's a lot of good podcasts I could recommend um, <laughs> and uh, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, that's that's the whole reason I do the podcast is is, you know, to to know I'm making a difference and helping other people out in a way that I feel like I didn't really have. Um, I I, I uh, I'm thankful for the people that I did have in my life. Um, I do sometimes wish I would have recognized it sooner, but at the same time, um, going through all that hurt and pain that I went through, I think set me up to. Um, opened my eyes up, I think I was kind of stubborn um, to a degree that I might have jumped right back into another relationship with a narcissist. And who knows how long that pattern would have continued if I hadn't had to really dig down deep inside myself and and find out why this is happening. Um, and it's an ongoing journey. It always will be, um, I think, um, of self-discovery and Um, I'm glad to have everyone that listens along with me. Um, and I think that's, I think that's, uh, going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank everyone. Thank you everyone for listening so much. Um, I can't wait to, uh, do another episode and, uh, hopefully hear from you guys. Um, thank you all. Have a good day.